Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. It's no, no longer about interrupting or pitching and closing a sale. It's about listening, diagnosing, and prescribing what that customer needs, right? It's not about seeing what a great salesman we are. If we really are just listening to that customer, finding out what they need, and we prescribe the best method to get there, right? And we and and we are establishing that trust and rapport with that customer. They're probably going to buy almost anything as long as they can afford to pay for it. They want to maintain it. They want to make sure it's safe. They want to make sure that it doesn't break down. And they want to they want to have value in it, you know, for as long right. as they have. Well, that person that's picking up that phone and answering that phone, that's the face of your company right there. That's the initial face of your company. We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Here we are. Welcome to The Leading Edge. My name is Cecil Bullard, and we are on episode 63. Today... We're going to be talking with B.J. Lee. Mission Auto Care in Oceanside, California. Yeah. Also with the Institute, uh, B.J. is uh, my partner here. And we've done, we've worked together for, well, I'd say 35, 36 years now. A lot of sales stuff. Long time. The two of us. Long time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we have Mr. Scott Caster with us of the Institute who does our service advisor mastery program. He's in charge of that and trains uh, service advisors, lots of them. Um, today, we're going to be talking about sales. And, you know, here, here's the funny thing is I was reading the uh, uh, Lex, who does all of our marketing, sets all of this stuff up, often puts together a series of questions uh, for us to kind of get started with. Um, her first question, what is the most important thing when it comes to selling service in an automotive shop? What a, what a broad topic, right? You know, first I'm, I'm thinking margin. Well, geez, we got to sell it for, for margin. And then second, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, we can't even sell it for margin if we don't believe in our products and in our prices or ourselves or, you know, so uh, Scott, let's start with you. What do you think is the most important thing uh, when it comes to selling service? That's very broad. Um, I, I, let me just start and say everything, um, everything that the customer <laughs> sees. Um, but I would say that, um, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, they gotta trust you. Um, that, I think that's probably, you know, you gotta be likable. Um, I, I, those would be the two that I would, you gotta have a presentable, uh, shop, um, a good reputation. So yeah, I, I, I everything I was at everything. Yeah, so what's the most important thing? A lot of stuff, right? Uh, BJ, what what would you what would you uh, do? You agree with Scott that, that you got to be likable and they got to trust you, or you know, well, you know, what I did is because it's such a broad range. You know, you think of so many things. You think, well, where do you start, right? Right. Um. So I just kind of went down a list of quotes uh, that I read that that fit to to all of this, right? Um. It's no, no longer about interrupting or pitching and closing a sale. It's about listening, diagnosing, and prescribing what that customer needs, right? It's not about seeing what a great salesman we are. If we really are just listening to that customer, finding out what they need, and we prescribe the best method to get there, right? And we, and, and we are uh, 
establishing that trust and rapport with that customer, they're probably going to buy almost anything as long as they can afford to pay for it. Right. So, I mean, that was such a great quote. And I read that, that really, um, you know, once we start to listen to the customer um, and we got great people that work on our staff that diagnose cars and stuff, and we prescribe the right method uh, of repair or whatever they need for their vehicle and they trust us, I, th- I think that just brings it together. You know, uh, you, you, know uh, you could really talk about this for a long time. There's so many things, you know. Well, you know, Simon Sinek says that um, people don't buy what you, you know, you're, they don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So, you know, right. thinking about my own kind of career, why do I, what, why am I, I think passion is one of those things that you just got to have, right? You know, you got to be excited yeah. about, hey, we're going to take care of this guy's car and that's going to, you know, and, and I think some mornings you wake up and it's hard to have that passion, but, but mm-hmm. you have to have it. And I think, you know, my why, what is my why? I'm, I'm taking care of that car because I'm the guy that's supposed to take care of that car. I'm the guy that's supposed to be the kind of the advocate for the vehicle. And I assume that my customer wants that vehicle. They want to maintain it. They want to make sure it's safe. They want to make sure that it doesn't break down and they want to, they want to have value in it, um, you know, for as long as they have it. Uh, Right. So, so I think that. Believe what you say, believe what you say, say it with conviction and confidence. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, so many of the service advisors that we, we, we work with or that we get when we start for sure, they're just kind of going through the motions. Right. Um, Hey, Mr. Customer, I I listened to a phone call the other day and uh, customer called this shop and they were looking for an alignment for their um, Tesla. So the customer says, you know, right off the bat, the phone is answered with, with, you know, hey, uh, you know, thank you for calling Bob's, Bob speaking, right? You know, it's kind of this, this <laughs> like, I, I don't even know if I have the energy to lift my arms today. Um, and right. the guy says, oh, uh, you know, uh, how can, what can I do for you? You know, how can I help you? And the, uh, the customer says, well, you know, I'm looking for someone to align my Tesla. Do you guys align Teslas? And there was a two-second pause between the customer ending their sentence and the sentence being picked up by the service advisor. And when the service advisor picked up the sentence, it was like, yeah, we do alignments, you know, like kind of like just this, this, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, you know, first of all, no pause. Second of all, yeah, we got a great guy that does Tesla's at our shop. I mean, he's fantastic. Let's get you scheduled in, right. You know, let's, I'm excited. Let's this is a car that's going to pay my bills today, you know, or or uh, you know that's going to get my bonus or you know whatever. But um, the service advisor was so disengaged that customer. I mean, they ended up having an 18 minute conversation about really not even about how do you align a Tesla or are Teslas weird and they got different shit, but just about Tesla alignment, you know, just, just, can we do an right. alignment or not? And I thought to myself, right, right. if I ever talked to somebody for eight minutes about an alignment and didn't get the appointment, I, I, I'd go in the back room and probably shoot myself in the head because, but, but it's this, 
do you really care about this or not? You know, do you, do you care about taking care of the customer's car? Do you, how, how can they trust me if I don't give them the indications that I'm trustable or, or likable, right? That's interesting, Cecil, because- that, That's the face of your, go ahead. It's interesting because people pick up on the tone of your voice and there's so many different ways that we communicate as people. Uh, you picked up on that right away when you listened to this phone call. It's like, oh my God, just, okay, obviously I called the wrong job. It would be my immediate reaction if I called and I and somebody answered the phone that way. So, and you, and, and you well, got that person speak. that's picking up that phone and answering that phone, that's the face of your company right there. That's the that's initial cool. face of your company, right? They look at your website or look at something, oh, that looks great. And then they call and it goes from up to, you know, it's like, you know, no, you and, want and, to be happy and excited. You want to get them taken care of. So I, I think that there's, you know, when, when we put together our advisor mastery program, it was very difficult. We spent over two weeks, you know, saying what's first, what's second, what's third. Uh, do we teach them all the, all the sales tactics first, you know, and, or, or do we teach them, you know, about our unique selling proposition, or do we teach them about the numbers or what do we teach them first? And what we went with is attitude, you know, you, how you think and feel about, you know, what you're doing. What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library, as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, gear provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. For help with improving your business, head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today. You know what you're doing and and why did we go to attitude? Because it it, it just oh, comes right through. I don't care if you're on the phone or if you're in person, if you were disengaged. So I, ca- I called the owner of the shop. And I said, tell me about this guy, right? You know, well, you know, he's having a struggle right now. He's blah, blah, blah. I said, he's completely disengaged, completely, right? And if he's completely disengaged, how how can he engage a customer? I I, I don't know how, right? I I don't know how you engage a a customer, a consumer, if you're disengaged and and not ready to go. Uh, There's so many ways. How many times have you went somewhere to buy something, right? And you've had some a salesperson that was so nice and such a great person. You didn't even really care about the rest of it. It was like, man, I want to buy something from this guy, you know, well, or yeah, girl, whoever this, it is, right? There's the this attitude. Um, there's this little drive-through here, and uh, there's a there's a gal there that is uh, the the man's a drive-through. I, I don't know, maybe two months ago, she was like, "I know who you are, honey," right? You know, and she started talking to me like like. She knows exactly what I want and, and, and order because I order a little extra gravy in my biscuits and gravy, you know, kind of this thing. She goes, oh, I already got your order, honey. And then when I come pick it up, she has a she has a smile. Her eyes are sparkly. The interaction is a good interaction. So literally, like every Sunday, I'm over there getting biscuits and gravy. And they get the order right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. And I, well, the first time I came in, I complained because. You know, the day before I got biscuits and gravy, there was hardly any gravy on the biscuits. I'm like, can I, can I buy more 
gravy or, you know, how do I make sure I get gravy on my biscuits? And she was like, oh, don't worry about it, honey. We'll take care of it. She's she's energetic. She's she's fun. And I mean, holy crap, you're going to do this. Why not have fun? Right. Or why not be fun? It, 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 It blows my mind that, you know, our for most of our clients in an automotive service business, the first real interaction they have with us um, is on the phone. And yet on the phone, we don't seem to care. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't have a good day every day. And you guys certainly know that because you know me. But when I'm talking to a client or a potential client, um, I'm changing my energy level. I'm changing the way, you know, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, these are people that, you know, first of all, I care about the industry. And second of all, I care about the success of my clients. And third, I care about my business and, you know, my personal success. Um, so, so I, I don't know, how do, how do we, how do you tell somebody, what would you say? We'll start with BJ. What would you say to that, that service advisor, that person that's got to sell this person on bringing their car into the shop? What, what would you say are the, the most important uh, bits and pieces of that. You're talking about it. Uh, you're talking about what I tell my service advisor. Yeah. What would you tell your guy, um, you know, about, uh, you know, the phone's going to ring. Uh, it's going to ring. Will, well, you will, you okay. will just have dealt with a crappy customer, somebody who's doesn't. Well, I, yeah. I've worked with my, I've worked with my current uh, service advisor for a year and a half. Um, but he, 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 he took to it right away because he was naturally just a nice person you know what i mean um you know but basically put a smile on your face before you answer the phone because if you put a smile on your face and you get that energy that's that's step one right and then listen to the customer find out what it is they're really looking for you know not you know what's about price you know well what makes you think you know uh, you need this uh what is it that you're looking for try to find the solution for them and try to get that appointment get them in you know what i mean but really the the the, the first thing you want to do is have a smile on your face and have a good attitude and, and be energetic when you answer the phone that's the first thing i know that if i call somewhere um and i don't get that i'm i'm just turned off right away i just don't feel like that person cares about me you know yeah, what I mean? Fast, so if I feel fast, that way, I'm sure other people feel that way. How fast does that take you to figure that out, BJ? What's that? How fast does it take you to figure that out? Oh, uh, you know, well, when I was young, it took me a while. I'm pretty thick-headed, you know. But, uh, like you know, it, it, it it's pretty simple now. You know, once you go through this a little bit and you lose enough sales and you get, you know, uh, you don't build your business because you're not listening to anybody and you think you know everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work, you know. But uh, it, it's, it's actually a pretty simple thing to do. If you can't do it, you're probably just the wrong person for the job. You know what I mean? I think it kind of comes naturally. I think, you know, uh, you can tell pretty quickly if somebody's got it or they don't got it. You, you know, the- uh, sometimes you can change people and make people better. But I just think, you know, some people are, are meant to be salespeople. Yeah. Do you think that, that people get worn out from it? You know, uh, Definitely. I don't know. I was behind the counter for 17 years to 24 years. I spent a lot of time behind the counter during that period. And, um, you know, you call after call after call. Uh, 
how much for a water pump? How much for a oxygen sensor? How much to, to you know do my brakes? Um, you, it, it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, but but do you think there's like a I've done where I think you have to like regroup and take some deep breaths and say, man, I need to be exciting today. So how do I do that? Um, right. Without chemicals. Uh, I, th- uh, I think I think by having your your team meetings that does help, right? Um, if we see that start to happen, you know, then we tend to get together and we get, we excite each other, you know, do stuff within your team. Sometimes we do certain little team building things outside in the shop. You know, we pitch quarters for a $50 bill, little things like that that kind of get you pumped up. You know what I mean? Because uh, you do get the burnout. I've done that for years. And I think what happens is if you've been a service buyer for, for a period of time, um, when you get to that burnout stage after doing it for 20 years, you know, you're just like, you know, just. Once you've met your accomplishments and your goals that you think that you've done that makes you happy, you know, and it just becomes sort of maybe for me boring, you know, I mean, I do it when I got to fill in and I put that smile on my face, you know, and all that, but I don't, I don't know that I could do it long-term again, if that makes any sense. Well, I think you, you know, you, you, you've done your time at the counter. Um, You know, I, I, I don't know that I became an owner because I didn't want to be at the counter. I came an owner because it was the next best thing that I could see for myself. And I had to spend some of the time at the counter when people weren't there or, you know, when, when people were off, but, but in general, I wasn't at the counter and I haven't been at the counter for a while, but I can tell you, I watch terrible service. Our, our, our local, our local Ford dealer, I'm surprised they sell anything because the service is so bad. The people, you, 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 you pull into their drive and they got this old guy out there, probably my age. And, uh, and he's, he's like, what do you want? You know? And, and there's no smile. There's no sparkle in his eyes. This is a guy that's just been, you know, he's just been beaten down and beaten down and, and they gave him a little bit of authority and now he's just gonna, you know, go over there, you know, leave your keys in the car. And, and then you go into their service department and they got four guys and there's four guys standing right there in front of you, not, not six feet away from you. And they don't look up from, nobody greets you. Nobody says, Hey, you know, good to see you here. I'll be with you in a few moments, you know, nobody. And, and, and you stand there for like 15 minutes. The last time Kent did this, he actually walked out and called them and said, Oh, you know, now I've got somebody I can at least talk to. And, and so, you know, Hey, do you think you could take care of my car? Like you're supposed to, um, it's just, wow. and when, when, when somebody's had that kind of an experience with you, I mean, I see it everywhere I go. Um, I see pretty girls everywhere. No, anyway, that's a different, <laughs> um, I, I see it everywhere I go where there's, there's just, I just don't give a crap, right. Service, uh, and I got to tell you, I think you want to sell more stuff, create some energy there. Um, you know, I, I don't think you have to be, you know, over the top or whatever, but I think you got to smile. I think you got to care about that customer and, and getting to the bottom of that customer's issue. And as be I, genuinely, I, I, mean, I always, be, a genuine, be a genuinely nice person on the phone, you know? Yeah. Just be Act nice. like you really care, you know. And by the way, if if you did that, 
you would beat 90% of the other people answering their phones in the, in the world, you know, or at least in the United States, I guess I can go that far. Um, <laughs> um, what's the, so this is a sales thing and we're talking about sales because I think if you don't think I care or you don't think I'm interested and I'm not engaged, I don't think I can sell you anything. Um, you know, I mean, if you're desperate and you're stuck and there's nothing else, uh, you know, my water pump, we had the car towed in. I, okay, be an asshole to that person because uh, they're stuck. They're not going to take their car and tow it somewhere else, probably. But, you know, for someone that isn't stuck, if you're not excited about them being there and you don't act like it matters, then they're not going to come to you. You're, you're not going to have the opportunity to work for that person. Um, I used to like all the same. Like if they're a toe in or somebody calling in and, and wanting to bring their own part, we treat them all the same. Yeah. Treat them all with respect. Right. They may not be a fit you know, for us or maybe not, they will be, but we'll be trying, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm not going to let you bring your own part, but I'm, you're still going right. to think I'm a nice guy. You know, you're, you're, you're right. not going to think that guy was a real jerk. Um, right. So sales, uh, is there an easy way to increase sales uh, in your business? Uh, Scott, what's the easiest way to increase sales? I'm probably doing uh, good thorough inspections and presenting those inspections and in, uh, our health check on the vehicle, presenting that to the customer. Um, stop giving stuff away. <laughs> Get rid of your discount stuff and put that money in the bottom line. Yeah. Um, Market to the right type of customer. There you go. Right. Market to the right type of customer. Get the right people in the door. Um, you know, um, we can get lots of people calling and, and calling in and wanting to bring their car in, but they may not be a right good fit for us. So if they're not a good fit, we're not going to sell nothing. Uh, we, we have a PDF coming out, the, the five, uh, five ways to increase your bottom line. Uh, should be released any moment, frankly. It's going to be really good. Uh, and then we'll have a class behind that, um, all of which will be no charge. Uh, for people that would like to see that. So that'll be good. Um, you know, for me, the easiest way to increase my sales is to put a smile on my face and uh, act like I care, like it matters. Um, mm -hmm. At least you'll get the sales from the people that are there and, uh, and that come in your shop. Um, uh, should sales be the focus of the, business or the entire team should sales be, is it their responsibility? Is it everybody's responsibility? Is it just the service advisor's responsibility? Everybody's, everybody's responsible. Everybody's responsible. Yeah. So how, do, how does that, so my owner and I used to argue all the time when I, the last shop I, I worked at, I was the manager. I had an owner, a good friend of mine. Um, we used to argue all the time about things like this. Uh, you know, he wanted the service advisors to be held accountable for um, the, the marketing uh, because he felt service advisors were a big part of marketing and advertising. And uh, I always said they do have a part in it because if they treat my customers really well, then my customers will be speaking well, et cetera. But they're not really in charge of advertising. Um, 
And we used to have this kind of back and forth that we did all the time. And, and so, you know, how does a, a technician increase sales in your, in your business? They can keep their work bay and their work area clean. They pick up the parking lot. Um, I mean, that that is a whole package of doing business at your shop. It's clean. Um, uh, they show that they care. Um, it, it all radiates to the bottom line. It, if my technician is disengaged, what what is the ultimate result of a disengaged technician? Okay. Poor so, does he do a good inspection, right, um, or not? I mean, how many times have you guys um, had a technician tell you uh, there's a lot wrong with this POS and and I don't think we should write it up, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. To me, that's a problem. With well, a- I think that all falls in line. With, now, here, right, if we've got good management. Uh, right. And we're having good management meetings and team meetings and we're uh, bringing all this stuff up and, and helping them to understand the reason why we do the inspections and what the importance of that inspection is. Right. What the importance is of having the shop clean and organized, what the, you know, the importance of the proper inspection and documenting procedures are. Um, all that stuff comes together and we all have to agree uh, that that's important for the benefit of the customer and the business itself. Right. Um, so if you have a good team and everybody's following the rules and doing what's supposed to be done, that's going to help sales. It's going to make your customers happy. Right. Uh, it's like uh, Scott said, when somebody drives up, when they first drive up to your shop, they can see in your shop and they see that it's neat, clean and organized. Everybody's in uniform. Uh, they come in, they get treated nicely at the counter. Um, you know, treated fairly. Um, they've given, you know, gotten a, a ride home. Um, you know, they've gotten the digital inspection sent over to them. They've got a phone call to review that inspection uh, and and uh, recommend whatever needed to be done and, and why and what the warranty is and all that kind of stuff. All those things, you know, is uh, just the whole picture that all has to come together. And sometimes we, I'm sure sometimes we fail at one piece of it, right? But it's it's up to us to catch that and get it back in line. Uh, you know, to our company values and and what we're trying to do out there. Um, you know, if you've got, you know, you drive up and the place is in disarray, you know, and there's a guy out there smoking outside the door and there's oil leaking all over and, you know, the place is filthy. Um, I don't know what type of customers you're going to, you're going to bring in with that, but not the ones that I want, you know. I was I, at a, a, I can guarantee that. most, most customers would be paying attention to that especially a new customer. I, I always, I always talk about um, customers like dating. Uh, You know, it's been a long time since I've been on a date. I've been married for coming up on 40 years, but I remember dating. And when I dated, I, I took a shower and I put on my best clothes and I, you know, I put on my, what I thought was my best cologne, comb my hair. Uh, You know, when I picked her up, I opened the door for her. I, I took her to a nice restaurant, didn't put my elbows on the table, you know, didn't pass wind in the car. Uh, you know, I, um, in, in, in sales, to me, the idea is I, I want to show the best of us to that customer and that potential customer. And I always want to show the best of us. I don't want to give them any room for doubt. Uh, and to me, you know, I think about staging, uh, like if you're going to do a production, a movie, 
what's the staging look like? And I think our shops should be staged. Uh, we have the ability, we have the, the opportunity to set up a stage and create um, an environment that is either good for our sales or it can either uh, add to or take away from our customer's comfort level, right? And I want my customer to be extremely comfortable in my business. It reminds me of, I always think about this. Um, you, I, and your father had a shop back in the early 90s. Um, and the, this older lady drives up right in front of the shop, right? She gets out of the car and she stands there with her arms crossed and she's looking inside the shop and says, this is where I want to have my car worked on. Wow. Right? And I said, really? You know, why do you say that? Well, look at this place. You can eat off the floor. You know, it was yeah. like clean, organized, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just something that I've always been proud of. And that's, you know, the type of image that I want to portray to my customers. And I think the guy that wants to come in and bring his own parts and, you know, wants to argue about price and wants the cheapest shop in town, he doesn't care much about that stuff. But I think the customer that wants to have a relationship that is more willing to maintain their vehicle, listen to, you know, the advice of the shop, um, that it matters for them. Maybe not all of them, but I think most of them. Uh, You know, think about going into a restaurant. There's some restaurants that I will not go into. Uh, There's a steakhouse here in town. And uh, we had a big family thing at it. Now, this is probably... 10 years ago, but we took a bunch of people there and I, 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 I wear leather shoes. So my soles on my shoes are leather. And when I was walking around in there, I was sliding because of the grease on the floor. It wasn't, it was like, they had like, um, like it's a log house kind of thing, but the floors were so greasy that I, I I had to walk like I was walking on ice. Um, and, and it was a place where, you know, it's a $40 steak, which is not the most expensive I've ever had, but in Utah, in, in Ogden, it's a pretty expensive steak. And we haven't been back. I haven't, I haven't been there in probably 10 or 12 years since that particular thing, because somebody wasn't paying attention. And if the floors are greasy, what's the kitchen look like, right? And mm-hmm. it just puts these, these doubts in your, in your mind. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, um, so my team needs to focus on sales. Now, obviously the team does what management asks them to do. And you, you said it, BJ, I need, good, I need good management. And I think part of that at least is the manager's paying attention to the attitudes and watching occasionally someone answer the phone. Are they up? Are they, um, I bought mirrors and put in front of all of our phones, uh, in our, in, in the, in the shop so that people could see their faces when they answer the phone. Um, so if the, if the manager, the owner is not up, how do the other people get up? Right. And, and, and give that presentation. Um, I guess we're supposed to talk about objections. Now, we've just spent the first half an hour kind of talking about, uh, I think, attitude. And I think attitude and staging and 
I think even my attitude is staging. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I have my good days and my bad days, but when I'm talking to a client or a potential client, I better be excited about what's going on here. Um, uh, let's talk objections, uh, at least for a, a, a few moments. Um, Scott, you're dealing with the service advisors. What what are the typical objections that they're hearing? Um, it, it, it depends on the work order, but you know, a, a four thousand, five thousand dollar work order on an American made vehicle. Um, I'm going to go buy a new car. Uh, I'm tired of putting money in this old thing. Uh, I don't have enough money. Um, I mean, I, I would say my car's not worth it. Those would be good. The 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 most, uh, I guess, the most popular objections that we would get. There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame. They can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one coaching, KPI tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to ifrave.com and register now. We'll see you in class. Okay. BJ, BJ, how do you um, how do you handle the the car's not worth fixing? Well, it depends. If the car's falling off the frame because it's rusted through, that would be a different conversation. But I would say that's that's mostly not the case, at least in our area, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, you want to try to go through them uh, with, you know, why would you say that, right? And go through the idea of, you know, you've got this. A uh, ten-year-old car that needs four thousand dollars of work. Now you understand if you go buy something else, you know you're going to go spend X amount of dollars for this car, and you don't know what kind of shape that car is going to be in, and it's still going to need to be maintained, right? So you're still going to maintain it, and, you're, and then you're going to also have payments on the car, right? So 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 try to work with them on that. I've had several cases where I've mentioned the idea of having the payments. Right. So you got payments of, I don't know what a normal payment would be nowadays on a used vehicle, probably three or 400 bucks a month. I mean, that's, there's your four grand in one year. And you're, you know, uh, it's pretty easy to make that choice to not buy another car. Now, if you're going to buy a new car because you want to buy a new car, hey, you know, we do it. Right. That's okay. You know, but if if you're going to go another used car, um, I might have an issue with that and want to try to explain uh, the reason why that's not a good decision. You know what I mean? Uh, if, if money is, uh, you know, they don't have the money to do it, then we try to lean them towards, you know, credit options that we have available to them and try to work with them that way. You know, so we get quite a few jobs just because we offer credit to them, you know, through through different uh, companies. One of the one yeah. of the things for me that I think about is how many used car inspections I've done and, and what. Mm-hmm. What came? What you know? What does the average used car inspection look like when it's all done? And I can tell you, I don't. I don't think too many used cars came through my shop that didn't need three thousand dollars worth of work. That's you a know, good number, the, the right? way that I, the way that I see it, if my customer is thinking I'm going to get rid of this car and go buy another used car, that's just a bad choice because right. I don't know what that used car is like and. 
they're going to bring it to me, hopefully, and I'm going to look at it. And then I'm going to hand them a list of $3,000 worth of stuff just to make that used car, you know, viable and bring it up to, you know, up to code, I guess, whatever you want to call it. And then we're still not going to know, you know, what, what's going on. We had a, a mini once that um, came in and, 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 you know, uh, the customer bought it used and uh, it had this weird electrical issue. And uh, we ended up pulling uh, the back panels, the inside of the back to track some stuff down. And you could see where the water had been, you know, it had a water line in the trunk uh, in the back part of the vehicle. So the vehicle was, you know, 30, 40% underwater. And you just, at that point in time, you just really have to tell the customer, don't spend another nickel on this thing, you know, get, get rid of it because you, it's going to beat you to death over time because it's been underwater. Um, you know, we, we had two years ago, we had a, a major flood in Houston. They said something like a million cars were underwater. And then at the same time, we had another flood uh, on the East coast. Uh, there was another million cars. So 2 million cars, basically the insurance, um, you know, pulled off the marketplace. And I was driving through Houston and they had this giant car lot. I mean, th there was probably 30,000 cars parked in this, this field area. And then the next time I go through, those 30,000 cars are gone. Where did they go? Right? Repair shops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, went, they went on used car lots. They went to auctions. They, they went to Mexico. You know, they went to other states. Um, I don't want my customer buying a used car unless I get to see it first. And, and I really don't want to buy a used car at all. Um, yeah. me, I think sometimes when you go through the math with them and just let them know, you know, what would you expect to pay for a used car? Well, this much. Okay, great. If you did that, what would the payments be? Great. You know, and then you've got to maintain it. Now let's just say you needed some repairs. You didn't need 3000. Maybe you only need $1,500 of repairs, right. right. To get it up to the par plus your maintenance and your payments. You know, you start putting those numbers together. It kind of, they kind of like, wow, they don't, they just don't think about it, right? So it's up to us to to help educate them and help them learn. So in you your experience, I mean? though, in your, because I know if we have some service advisors on right now, they're going, well, I, they'll never listen to me. I won't have that conversation. Have you had that conversation with customers, and have customers really listened to that conversation? Yes. Who's that, who's that for, Cecil? Me? Either one, both, right? Uh, yeah. Like BJ said, absolutely, and, and yeah. it's. I've had people say, you know, I want to give me get rid of that and buy another car, you know, and you you try talking them out of it basically and tell them it's not a great decision in, in your eyes as a professional. And no, nah, I'm I'm just gonna get rid of it. Great. You know what? I'm interested in buying the car. Yeah. You know, would hey. you sell the car to me? Right. And they're and then they start thinking about it, right? I mean, I've gotten I've got a car now that I uh 2012 Kia SUV fully loaded, you know, that uh um bent six valves, you know, so I bought the car for 500 bucks. I've got about 1500, 2000 bucks in the car and I've got it for sale for seven grand. Yeah. You know, it's a great car. You know what I mean? It was, uh, you know, it could hey, have, been, it could have been driven another you know? four years. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, you know, they just made the decision. Uh, and, and I think the husband, you know, probably would have fixed it, but the, the wife wanted a new car. So they bought a new car. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. And they still come to us with all their other vehicles and stuff. So I think one of the other things that I have to 
uh, think about is I'm, I'm not going to win all the time. So, you know, I'm no. just going to have the conversation and, and some of the time my client's going to listen and some of the time they're going to buy this stuff on their car and some of the time they're going to get a new car. And that's okay. Uh, you know, I still believe, I, I don't believe ever buying a new car is the, is what's best. Um, financially speaking. Now, by the way, I've bought a lot of mm-hmm. new cars. Um, I think I've bought five or six in my lifetime. And uh, I like a new car that doesn't smell like anybody else has ever driven in it um, until about two and a half years later when I'm still making payments. And then it gets kind of old pretty quick. But, but mm-hmm. I think we need to remember that some, sometimes we're going to win, sometimes we're not, we're not. And I think sometimes service advisors take the nose way too personally and, and they let it affect their, their moving forward. Um, so Scott, well, you know, uh, um, so I'm going to get rid of this car. The car is not worth it. Uh, what, what are your comebacks to that? Are you going to buy a new car or a new used car? Um, I want to know that. Um, and we're going to go back to the used car thing. Why is it, why is it on the market? If it's a used car, if it's a good car, if somebody should be driving it, um, if, if they're going to buy a, a new car, uh, I was, uh, I went out looking at trucks a couple of weeks ago. Now, I don't know if anybody's been out looking at trucks lately, but the 2,500 Dodge Ram that I was looking at was $75,000. Yeah. And, and I mean, I just, and I hadn't been out in the car lots for quite a while. So uh, just driving that, that truck off the lot, you're losing 10, probably 10% of it value right away. And what and, and you're going to pay fifty five hundred in taxes in most states, right? Yeah. So and, you, and you're going to have to have full coverage insurance, which is going to be you know more. It is. It's going to be twice as much as as what you might have on your old pickup. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm driving a um, I'm driving a 2013 Ford F-150. We got about eighty thousand miles on it. You know, it's got a couple uh, uh, scratches. It's uh, it, it, but it's in pretty good shape. And yet I've driven by the, the four, I've looked at a couple of Raptors. Um, and then that $85,000 price tag was like, no, I'll drive the old truck. Right. You know, it's just, it's insane what people will spend on something because I can't convince them to take care of the car that they have. To me, that's, that's well, just on a side note, Cecil, just to let you know, the 2021 Ford F-150 came back with the 5.0. Oh, really? Sweet. I might have to get one. Yes. Because <laughs> I know you're worried about the 2.7 and 3.5, you know, yeah, I don't, but the, I don't the, like the 2021. Now, now we bought that <laughs> that Kent's driving and, and that's got a 2.3 and it's got, it, it's got all kinds of get up and go, but uh, now. Right. Um, all right. So back to the uh, objections, BJ, what, what about you? What do you think are the, the top objections? Uh, I was talking with my service advisor about this yesterday. Um, price was quite a bit of an objection when I first took this business over 18 months ago. Now it is minimal and because so why- we've marketed to the right type of customer. Okay. Right. I want to make it, I want to make it really clear that when you bought the business, the business average period was very low and the customers that were coming through were not used to paying anything. They were used to getting their oil changed. And, Correct. And on they go. Correct. Uh, okay. 
it's funny because I went through numbers, um, previous year's numbers. Uh, they were working on something like uh, 3,500 cars a year, right? Uh, average period are like $180, $190. Um, last year, we worked on 1,036 cars, right? With a $670 average repair order, okay. right? So we've done the same amount of revenue with a third of the cars. And actually right? made, made more money. It, awesome. Right. And this last year, I mean, cur- currently I track every month, 50% of our customers are new customers and 50% of our customers are returning customers. Okay. Give or take a, you know, few numbers or whatever, but that's pretty average, you know, so we've really changed that model. Um, the second one uh, we were talking about was customer parts, you know, people calling and wanting to bring their parts in. Now, in our area, we're next to a, a, a military base. So we get a lot of the young guys that, you know, they have these cars and trucks that they want to buy parts, you know, online. And then if they can't do it in the hobby shop, they want to bring it to the shop and, and bring their parts in. Uh, we get quite a bit of that. Um, but, you know, it's all about talking about company policy and why it's not in their best interest to bring their parts to have them installed. One is that we don't do it. And secondly, you know, uh, you don't want to pay to do this job over and over because the parts are the wrong parts, improper, counterfeit parts, all the other things that go along with that, you know, and warranty, you know. So Jared does a real good job uh, working through that um, and, and, you know, convincing them that the best thing to do is to bring in and let us take care of the vehicle. You know, you still have some that aren't going to do it. They just want to take their parts somewhere and have them installed, but we just don't do it. You know, I need, I need shoulder surgery and uh, I've gone online and found uh, some shoulders uh, pretty cheap. Uh, I'm going to take them in and have my doctor put them in uh, because I can save four or five grand uh, by buying my own shoulder. Um, Oh, nice. I can do it for half of that Cecil. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine right if you if you're like uh oh well i, I you know i bought it online from a record yeah. place here's a shoulder i want you to put in what the, the doctor the hospital would just be like <laughs> it just looks like the one it looks just like the one you were gonna sell me <laughs> yeah, so you know and then you get it in and it's got the clunk you know <laughs> defect. You gotta go back to the doctor, get a new one put in. Um, you know, I, 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 our industry, we need to understand that we are the professionals and that we need to act like professionals and, and our customers need to respect us like professionals. Um, and, and part of that is I'm getting the part that I'm going to put on your car because I can warranty it because I can guarantee it'll fix the problem. Uh, because I can stand behind it. And then the other part of that is I, I have to make the money off of that part. If I don't make the money off of that part, I lose half my gross profit and, and I'm, I can't pay my bills. So, you know, it's just part of the game. It's how the game is played today. Um, we have done uh, pieces of that, you know, only and if it's, it's an old, Older vehicles, something where it's forever to ever try to find the parts is impossible, and then they found it. But we do it. We have an increased labor rate uh, when we do have to do that. And like I said, it's a very, 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 very slim part of our what we do. You know what I mean? But if we do do it, they've got to pay that extra cost for it. Yeah, I've I've done it with some older cars where that was just impossible for me to get the parts. But pretty much that 
is my only exception. Um, I've done it a couple of times where I had a really good customer that went out and bought the part and I knew it was a reputable place. And I said, you know, this one time I'm going to do that. But, but afterwards, um, I had a, a restaurant that was kind of across the street, down about a half a block from the shop. I used to eat there all the time. You remember BJ uh, at, at the industrial. Um, one day I was there and the owner said, Hey, can you tune my car back when we did tune ups? And I said, sure. Well, you know, I'll take it back with me and we'll get her done. And he said, um, um, well, the parts are in the trunk, right. You know, kind of thing. And I was like, well, you know, we don't, we don't use customer parts. I said, where'd you get them? And he said, uh, uh, Magruder Chevrolet, which was the Chevrolet guys, you know, not very far away. Yeah. I said, well, I can't tell them they're crappy parts. He bought them from the Chevy dealer back then. The Chevy dealer only handled the, you know, top line parts. They didn't have three different part lines. And uh, so I told him this one time I'm going to do it. And then I, we did it. We fixed his car. We took it back. And the next morning I showed up at his restaurant with a, a brown bag and it had two eggs and <laughs> uh, a couple of raw pieces of bacon and a couple of pieces of bread and, and a potato. In it. <laughs> and I handed it to him and I said, could you cook this up for me? And uh, yeah. he, he took the bag and he, he made me a breakfast, right? I don't know if he cooked that stuff exactly, but he made me breakfast and brought it to my table. He goes, okay, I understand. I get it, right? You know, um, <laughs> I think one of the important things about selling is enjoying what you do and, and, and being engaged and having fun. And I think things like that at least make it fun for me. Um, and it's gotta be, it's gotta be fun for the staff and the people that are going to handle your customers. Otherwise, you're not going to sell as much. Now we have, um, I don't know if we have, like I have a, 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 in our, in our service mastery program, our shop advisor mastery program, we have a a section that is, um, I call it stacking the deck. Uh, That's the title of the section, but it's, it's actually three separate sections that are all about things that will make us better at what we do. Right. Um, uh, uh, keep the customer more interested, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think we need to be thinking about stacking the deck. And part of that is keeping the place clean and, you know, uh, et cetera. Uh, we got a comment from someone. It actually didn't come in on Facebook. It came in. But he said, my biggest objection is I'm only price shopping or I'm only looking for a price. Um, what are what are your top ways to convert that person who says I'm only price shopping? Well, we know that when they're asking for price, it's most of the time it's because they really don't know the questions they ask, right? Um, so what we do is that why is it that you're looking for price, and what it, why is it that you think you need this particular uh, part or whatever repair done, right? Uh, and then we kind of divert them, pull them away from that, try to get them to come in. Let's take a look at it. Because what we would what we wouldn't want to do is give them a price based on uh, a, just a little bit of information when we need a lot more information to give them an accurate estimate. Right. So have one of our uh, certified master technicians look at your vehicle and, and see what it really needs. And we get you an accurate price for you. You know, and by the way, we have a three or 50,000 mile warranty on the work that we do here and, you know, sell the sell the whole benefits of coming in. And doing business with us, uh, some of those you just won't turn turn away. Some of them are not going to get off the phone unless you give them a price. And if you don't give them a price, they're going to hang up anyway. 
And I don't, I still won't give them a price myself, but, and, right. and tonight at, right. at six o'clock uh, mountain time, we're teaching a phone sales class, uh, getting, being good on the phone. Um, and so right. you can find that at um, gearforshops.com. Uh, I got to tell you, we're going to cover a lot of that in tonight's class. Uh, I, I think about, you know, with, with this particular thing, I think about all the cars that have come in my shop for all these things that they thought they needed. And once we actually looked at the car, mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff was not necessary or needed on the car. I mean, I've, I've had independence and dealerships where the customer was told they needed something when the car got to us, you know, you need brakes. And we look at the brakes and the brakes are 70%. And we can't figure out why they recommended brakes, but then the ball joints were falling off the car. Right. You know, so it, it wasn't what we thought it was or what they thought it was and how many times that's really happened. So I have a right. what I call an arrow or kind of a script that's like, well, you know, uh, we deal with a lot of people coming in. They've had their car diagnosed by their brother or their cousin or their, you know, their mechanic somewhere. And when we get the car in, my guys are so good that that, frankly, a lot of stuff that they've recommended, we we just don't we don't recommend but unfortunately, there's some other things that they've missed that my guys will catch that are important. And so we just think it's a good idea for you to get as much information as possible before you make the kind of financial decision. And uh, so let's get the car yeah. in inspected. You know, you, you keep you keep constantly shifting to let's get the car in and get it looked at. Um, I think uh, in, 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 in sales, if I'm trying to deal with this person on the phone, I need to have... Uh, the right attitude about that. And, uh, and, and, and so for me, I'm not going to price on the phone. I'll tell you how much my oil change is after I ask why you think you need one. And uh, then I'm going to mm -hmm. schedule you in, or I'll tell you how much our diagnostic is, but I won't tell you what it takes to put a water pump on your car. Um, I, I love it because, you know, service advisors are overwhelmed with everything going on. And, and someone who, you know, I'll have five cars lined up where I need to do estimates on these cars and sell this work so my guys can get busy and the phone will ring. And I'll spend 20 minutes arguing with this guy about a water pump price. Then I'll hang up the phone and I'll call and get prices on a water pump and call the guy back 20 minutes later. And he's already found some idiot to tell him what he thinks he wants to hear, which is it's cheap. And he won't even listen to me. And I still have five invoices sitting on my counter that haven't been estimated. You know, why would you, why would you do that when, you know, the odds of being successful are, are minimal? I, I just don't think it's a great idea. It, you know, just all you, all you can give us the menu item pricing that you have and that's it. You know, beyond that, we've got to find out what they really need and try to, you know, divert to the appointment. Stop wasting your time trying to find a magic bullet. There isn't one. However, our Keys to Automotive Business Success teaches the foundations of a successful automotive shop and gets you started on the right path, which is pretty close. You'll learn how to set actionable and achievable goals, understand your financial model, and how to communicate more effectively with your team. This course was designed to jumpstart your results, not waste your time. Take the class today, and you'll learn how to start creating the business and life you want. Visit iframe.com to register for the class at only $49 and available to take wherever and whenever you'd like it's what every shop owner needs to kickstart their business into success and i would say that most customers 
are not really looking for a price. They're really looking for mm. comfort. Mm. Do I feel comfortable here? Is this, is this guy sound like he knows what he's talking about? Does he sound like he's going to be honest to me? You know, those mm. kinds of things. And if I'm paying attention, I think you said it at the very beginning, it's really about kind of listening to the customer and I would say guiding them to talk about what's really important to them. And that would include asking, you know, uh, what's important to you? Uh, you know, is it really just how cheap it is or do you want a quality job? Mm-hmm. You know? Because right. I think most people understand cheap is cheap, right? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean good. Um, uh, all right. So uh, sales, how do we, what's the best thing to do? Uh, if I could only do two things right now, what are the two things that I do to improve my sales? Uh, start with Scott. Put somebody at the counter that is likable. Get the right person yeah. talking to your customers. Yes. I've seen I've seen this service advisor make all the difference in the world in a shop. And we have a mm-hmm. lot. We even have clients where I look at their service advisors and I go, this guy isn't going to get it done. You know, you just, after a while, you just pull the trigger. I know it's painful. Get somebody in. I'd rather have somebody that's, that's naive, doesn't know a lot, doesn't know anything about cars, but has good energy at my service counter than the, the guy that, that knows everything about cars, but is, is um, kind of jaded. Uh, I don't want the jaded mm-hmm. guy anywhere near my customers. Scott, you got to give me one more. So get the right, the right person at your front counter. And what are we going to do? We're going to increase sales. Is this what the question's about again? Yeah, sell more to people. Uh, do excellent inspections and present everything to the customer. So uh, every car gets a ticket written, every car gets inspected, everything gets estimated, and everything gets presented. Yes. And I think some of the shop owners, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to speak up for them. I'm supposed to be devil's advocate here. But wait a minute. Won't my customers think I'm trying to sell them a bunch of crap uh, because I give them a, a list of things? Um, uh, what's your answer to that, Scott? Uh, no, I think it's our job to tell them what's wrong with their vehicle or what their vehicle needs. And it's our job to tell them what's good with the vehicle, too. So um, it's our responsibility. Uh, when you go to the doctor, the doctor tells you what you need, what's wrong. Um, they're bringing their vehicle to us. Uh, if, if they don't want to hear it, then maybe that's, they're not the customer that we're looking for. But every car that came into my shop got inspected and it was they had a health check. And here it is. And I, I think that, you know, when I when I took over the last shop I ran, uh, I was able to raise the average repair order by like six. And we were at nine hundred and four. Prior to that, we were like two eighty. Uh, and, and, and that happened virtually overnight. And so I went to the service counter. But if we hadn't had good customers that that wanted to take care of their cars, I couldn't have sold nine hundred four dollars to them. Uh, here, Tom just bought a shop. We know Tom. Tom uh, from Sheep Tree. He just bought a shop in Ogden with a hundred eighty dollar average repair order. Last month, their average repair order was over six hundred fifty. And what the clients are telling him is, "Thank you." It, he's not chasing people away. Mm-hmm. The people are saying, "Thank you." Um, you you're, you're helping me take care of my vehicle, which is what I wanted. And some shops. You know, I'm so jaded on trying to sell somebody anything uh, that we just back off so much that that our repair goes to hell. I think 
good inspection is probably one of the top things that will help me sell. Uh, having the a good relationship with my customer, having somebody at the counter who who can be excited and 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 help the customer feel uh, good about being in the shop. Uh, BJ, what do you got for us? Uh, put that smile on, right? Got to have that smile. Number one. Um, and then always have constant communication with your team, you know, as a service advisor with your uh, um, technicians and stuff like that. So everybody's in clear communication. Everybody agrees on, on what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, you know, uh, so there's no disconnect between anybody. All those things working together is going to help you increase your sales. Because we, you know, we present and share our numbers with our staff and our team out there in the shop too, so they understand what the goals are and what we're trying to achieve. And these are the reasons we do the things that we do to get there. You know, and, and, and we, then we share those uh, the benefits of that with everybody. And we haven't talked about car count and adding more cars because if I'm not, if I don't have the right attitude, the right person at the counter, if I'm not engaging, if I don't smile, you know, if we don't inspect cars, why bring more cars in? Right. That's yeah, exact conversation I just had because, uh, you know, in, in the first, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 months, you know, I could have advertised heavier and got more cars in, but I had to make sure I had a great team together and that everything was working smoothly before I started adding those cars because I didn't want to piss people off. Right. I want people to come in. I mean, now we have, you know, quick diagnostic, quick turnaround. Um, you know, we're building a good uh, um, really good team now. And now we're working to build our car count now that we've got everything else working smoothly. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, there's so many things like we talked about in the beginning of this meeting here that, you know, what's most important, all of it. Right. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I think you're right. Cecil, when you talk about putting a mirror by the phone, smiling, if you smiling, got a great attitude, that's going to be a big, big factor. I always like to have a few jokes in my head so that I'm almost laughing when I'm picking up the phone already because I'm thinking about right. you know, that that punchline. Um, and then, of course, I like to entertain myself, so that's part of it. Uh, um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna we're we're, we're at, at the time that we're you know we could talk another hour easily, but we're not going to. Right. Um, we have a really. I believe the most advanced and the and the best service advisor program, our advisor mastery program, you can find that at gearforshops.com or at iforabe.com uh, at the Institute. Uh, Scott is in charge of that program. We're seeing a uh, uh, 9% increase in gross profit. We're seeing average per order increases around $150 uh, with our students. And what I like best is we're seeing a lot more confidence in our students uh, when they're at the counter. And I think that that's something that sells and makes customers happy. So uh, we'd love to have you there. Uh, and uh, Scott, thank you for your time, uh, buddy. Good to have you. And BJ, you also. So um, with that, we're going to we're gonna wrap it up. Have a great, uh, have a great week, everybody. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iForAbe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.